Welcome to our Advice and Insights podcast, a special series on the case for dividend growth, investing in a post-crisis world. What we're doing here is a series of talks, including some excerpts from the book itself to help capture the investment philosophy known as dividend growth investing that we have made a cornerstone to our practice at the Bonson Group. The book, The Case for Dividend Growth, has just come out and represents my best work and best case and argument for the investment methodology that we believe is at the cornerstone of a truly efficient client experience. We look forward to getting your feedback through this Advice and Insights podcast on the dividend growth orientation. Introduction. The Case for Dividend Growth, Investing in a Post-Crisis World. It is indeed the title of a brand new book that I have written that has just recently been made available for public consumption, but it is also much more than the title of a book. It is, for those of us at the Bonson Group, an investment worldview that has encapsulated what we have been doing on behalf of client capital for many, many years and sits at the core of our belief system about proper stewardship of risk asset capital. The first decade of this new century has forced investors to take stock of the way they are growing and withdrawing from their portfolios. The post-crisis recovery has not mitigated the need to address this question. The dot-com and housing bubbles of yesteryear have been replaced with new bubbles, devoid of fundamental wisdom and stability. But for decade upon decade, there has existed an approach to equity markets that provides answers investors need to find. Dividend growth investing is not immune from market volatility, but it does systematically and mechanically make it the friend, not foe, of those accumulating wealth. And it does insulate those withdrawing from their portfolios from the real substantive effects of market volatility enabling them to steer clear of that fatal force known as negative compounding. Well, what you've just heard is the inside cover of the dust jacket of the book, but you've also heard the words that I think capture so much of what is behind this book, the history, the context, and of course, the the two primary objectives that investors have, those accumulating capital and those withdrawing from their capital, and where what is known as dividend growth investing fits in to those objectives and why we believe it to be such a cogent and effective way of producing attractive results and doing so in a context of risk that is appropriate for so many investors. I want to spend time in in these uh, recordings laying out the central theses of the book. And I say theses plural because obviously it is more than just simply we like dividend growth stocks. For one thing, we have to define it. For another, we have to defend it from the various objections that exist out there, and there are several. And we want to be able to present the advantages that exist in a number of different senses, a number of different objectives, a number of different investment goals and where dividend growth helps to achieve those things. The uh, basic introductory concept 
that that I think we're laying out is not new or profound, but rather meant to be more of a renewed understanding of investing. And I I use the introduction of the book to talk about the the context of investing in the 1990s, the incredible returns in the second half of the decade that were building up both in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ and the sort of cultural context of how it wasn't so much are you in stocks or not, but how much are you making, how much risk are you taking, uh, how concentrated are you because everything was running through the roof and and it became uh, beyond just an investment policy for a lot of investors. It became kind of part of the cultural context in which we were living. And when that bubble so famously blew up, uh, it, it, you would think that it had represented an opportunity to sort of restore basic fundamental principles to investing. But in fact, it did not. In fact, uh, people rather kind of got beat up for a bit and then chose to kind of look for the new bubble. What was the next big thing that would go up 20, 25, 30% a year, um, regardless of the sensibility or fundamental strength of what it was they were investing in? And out of this sort of uh, mania 2.0, if, if dot-com was mania 1.0 in this era, for certainly we've had plenty of manias that predate those. The 2.0 was the whole entire mortgage and housing bubble uh, that had been forming for years. And, and, and so it resulted, of course, as we now know, in the financial crisis. And, and I subtitled the book, uh, Investing in a Post-Crisis World, because part of what I want to argue for is that the fundamentals and sound principles that made dividend growth investing such a smart way to invest in the decade upon decades that predated the late 1990s and the dot-com mania and that predated the housing crisis of 2008, but now I think in this post-crisis world ought to be the kind of renewed and restored understanding of sensible, fundamental, cash flow generative investing. And so, as I say in the introduction of the book, I'm not suggesting that what we will call dividend growth investing is the only sensible way for an investor to invest, nor do I intend to suggest it is the best way. Defining best is too subjective and too silly. But I do suggest that it is the right way for me to invest for it meets the core of what I believe about investing. It is fundamental and not superstitious. It is rooted in reality and not speculation. It is thoughtful and not faddish. It is time-tested and not novel. It does not require a flavor-of-the-month approach, and it does not work for some but fail for others. It's a powerful tool for both withdrawers of capital and accumulators of capital alike. And, and as I go on to talk about in the introduction of the book, we are referring to the asset class of U.S. equities. And, of course, this can apply to various forms of international equity investing as well. But it's not to suggest that it uh, encapsulate 100% of a client's asset allocation. Clients have to uh, have a portfolio that's constructed for them that meets their tolerance of volatility 
their liquidity needs, their tax uh, environment, uh, their their spending plans, their appetite for risk, their history, sophistication. There's a lot of factors that go into a really tailored um, construction of a portfolio. But what I'm alluding to here with dividend growth investing is that bucket in one's capital allocation that is uh, designed for U.S. equity. For some investors, it may be 20%. For some, it may be 80%. But it's a, it's some portion, often a very substantial and, and likely uh, pr- the primary uh, uh, core position in their portfolio, that what we're looking to do is see dividend growth investing for what it is. And, and again, reading from the introduction, it is the ultimate optimization of what we believe investing is supposed to be a necessary part of the history of stock market returns, a pivotal way to learn about the company you're investing in from the perspective of those who actually run it, a way of creating a literal miracle of compounding in your portfolio, layered by more compounding miracles, a way of insulating an investor from the dangers of withdrawing capital during periods of extended market distress, like the decade this uh, chapter I'm reading from now, alluded to just moments ago, the 1990s. A means of pursuing superior risk-adjusted returns, not inferior ones, as many wrongfully believe. A protection against the insidious effects of inflation on long-term purchasing power. A superior tool for companies to return cash to shareholders versus stock buybacks. A strategy that requires active engagement, lest the great evil of dividend cuts sneak up while not paying attention. And finally, a bottom-up investment strategy rooted in great companies with great free cash flow, not accidental high yielders. So what I want to do in these recordings and in these talks is lay out for you the basics of my own investment worldview and challenge you to read more thoroughly in the book, see the charts and the and the kind of elaborated arguments that we make in the book, and and get down to the practical message that is what we are arguing for. And I will read again from the conclusion of our introductory chapter, financial goals are real, and their outcomes will be real too, one way or the other. The investment strategies that support their success ought to be real as well. Dividend growth stocks get to the heart of what is real in investing. Thank you for listening to this Advice and Insights special podcast series covering the case for dividend growth. We hope you have found it enlightening and at least given you a taste of what it is we believe at the cornerstone of our investment process. Of course, we really do encourage you to buy a copy of the case for dividend growth or reach out to us and maybe we'll get you a copy. We want you to read the whole book, not just merely rely on the podcast, but we do hope that this has given you a taste of the arguments that we make for dividend growth investing and given you a better foundation to understanding the investment methodology itself. Thank you for listening to Advice and Insights Podcast. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. 
and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.